take real estate as a shot or as a fully stocked cooler? This is the Five O'Clock Somewhere Real Estate Investor Podcast. We're bringing common sense back to real estate investment. So crack open your beverage of choice, sit back and relax, and allow us to learn you a thing or two. Here are your hosts, Brett Bernard, Glenn Green, Matt Wheeler, and Jeff McNett. Welcome to It's Five O'Clock Somewhere Real Estate Podcast, where we're not experts. We actually know what we're talking about. My name is Brett Bernard. Uh, with me is my partner, Glenn Green. Hey, And hey. Matt Wheeler. Hey. Jeff McNett. Good morning. For an extended say, we have Tom Durhan in, in the studio with us, so he's going to join in the conversation. So I listened to a podcast where we talked about cash purchasing versus leveraging money and borrowing it from a lender. And as I listened to it, I realized, Jeff, you got a great radio voice, number one, but I don't feel like we covered it well enough to leave it where it was. So in that episode, I asked Jeff and Wheeler, would it be better to buy a $100,000 house that rents for $1,200 a month and pay $100,000 cash for it and have a $1,200 a month gross cash flow, less your taxes insurance, or would it be better to take that 100000 and buy put 25% down on four $100,000 houses that rent for $1,200 a month. That's pretty simple math. <laughs> well, think about it. Well, so if you, if you mortgage, I'm still working you on my common core math. Okay. Hang on a second. I got three more pages left. <laughs> All right. Let's think about it. So let's, let's take taxes insurance out of it. You pay a hundred grand for a house, rents for $1,200 a month. You got $1,200 a month coming in. If you buy four homes and put 25% down, you've utilized that hundred thousand. However, you're only making $300 a property because you got taxes, insurance, you got your mortgage, PITI, management fee, and all that. So let's say you're making $300 a house. You're still just making $1,200 a month. So what makes more sense? Well, it makes more sense to spread that out and buy more property. Why? Because you capitalize on more income. Because you turn $100,000 in four houses. Right. Correct. Well, there's another important thing to think about is for an investor, depreciation and appreciation. Those are key factors in that for me. You get depreciation on the full value of what you buy. So if I buy a $100,000 house, I get $100,000 of depreciation. If I buy $400,000 worth of houses, well, that's $400,000 worth of depreciation, which is great for taxes. Absolutely. That's one of the things that no one talks about. That's why Donald Trump doesn't pay taxes, whether you like him or not. Exactly. So at the end of the day, Glenn buys a house, $100,000 cash, rent for $1,200 a month. Tom takes his $100,000, buys four houses, 25% down, and they're all four renting for $1,200 a month. So while the gross intake is different, the net's income's kind of the same. But the advantage is what? Next year, both houses are going to go up in rent. So your rent's growing, so that's not a factor. But as Tom said, you've got $400,000 worth of depreciation. And you've also got $400,000 worth of asset. Right. Appreciation, too, because the our market is still undervalued. You will get some appreciation, even as much as even the houses in Fraser have gone up. They're continuing to go up as more and more get renovated. Yep. So you, ter- you parlayed $100,000 into $400,000 in value, cash value assets, and you're pulling the same rate of return as if you just dumped your entire $100,000 into one property. So 
the answer to that question is, Matt? You didn't ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> four houses. Yeah, four right? houses. That is yeah. the answer. Uh, yeah, I, I got the answer. I was just waiting for the question. This is Jeopardy. What is more houses? <laughs> there you go. There Thank go. you for playing Jeopardy. Yeah. Well, you know, Brett, I think there's a little bit of a misnomer from some of the young investors that I've talked to, and that is when they analyze what their income is, there's things that they're ta- not taking into account. You have to put in a reserve for repairs. If you think you're going to make $1,000 a year in income on that property and you're not going to spend anything on it, right. you're wrong. And you're going to spend. You're going to have maintenance. You're going to have repairs. You know, it's just the way it is. Right. It, it, you can't avoid it. Homeownership, so, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I'm of the, the new school of, of investing. And listen, it does. if you've got a million dollars to spend, sure, pay cash for as much as you can. But most of our investors have day jobs, right? They don't, they're not millionaires, and they're trying to get into the investment game. So in my opinion, taking the cash you have and spreading out as far as you can on as many rental properties as you can acquire is the smartest move because those are, as Tom said, they are going to appreciate. The tax benefits are phenomenal. Your rents are going to grow, but yet you're building your portfolio faster. Because then, you know, three, four years from now, you can refinance those properties and take out what equity you've gained and roll that and take $50,000 and then split up and buy two more houses. And then eventually you end up with 10 and then 15. If you buy one at a time for cash, if you're going to buy them for cash, it's going to take you a long time to get 20 properties unless you hit the Tennessee Powerball or whatever state you're in. That's right. So I wanted to clarify that. I'm a true believer in leveraging someone else's money. Brett, a lot of investors out there, you know, they worry about the economy, whether we're in recession or not, you know, market values and all that. I- explain to us how inflation works in an investor's favor when, when they have these concerns. Well, inflation is pretty much a, a man-made problem, right? I don't know if inflation is an animal of its own. I don't think so. I think it's just something we create through stupidity well, uh, I mean, and bad a, policy. Well, I mean, it's a free market society, so... The, the market bears what it bears. Right. And that's why you have houses in Frazier that you can still get a good deal on, and they're going up in value. Right. You know? Well, and inflation will do that. There's two sides to inflation, at least here in Memphis. The first one, the first negative, is that because we're a distribution city, and there's 380,000 renters in Memphis, and probably the majority of them work in the distribution field, driving forklifts, trucks, loading boxes, middle management, and they make you know, $30,000, dollars $60,000 a year. None of them are rich. A lot of them live paycheck to paycheck. So when the cost of gas, milk, groceries, whatever, gas in your car goes up, they still get the same paycheck every two weeks, but yet they have more expense. So what that naturally does is when leases expire, they start looking for another property that's a little cheaper, right? So they can have more money in their pocket. Problem is it's hard to find now. It because is. Because there's a lot of pressure on rent. And so because of inflation, rents are going up when people's leases are expiring. That's right. You know, and that just takes more money out of people's pocket. Every time a gallon of gas goes up 15 cents and you've got somebody that spends two or $300 a month on fuel, that's this one of those things that pretty much killed the economy during the Great Recession was the cost of gas. Remember when it got up like four bucks a gallon? Yeah. Well, I can tell you that the rental issue is not a major problem here, but we're seeing some of it. Like houses that should be renting for 1200 a month 
and Tom, you may have experienced this, not with MHA, but self-pay, people that are self-pay renters. A house sits on a market for 30 days, and what does the investor do? Oh, well, I want it 950. Well, let's drop it to 925. Week later, all right, let's go to 900. Boom, and then they rent it. Well, now what happens? That starts bringing down the rental comps in that neighborhood because this house, exactly like that house, just rented for less than what market says it should rent for. So market rent is just a number. You know, it's, it's worth what someone will pay for it. And the economy and inflation has created a situation where a lot of people just can't afford to pay what they were paying two years ago. They need to drop $50 a month off the rent, and they'll look for another place that they can do that in. So that's the negative side of this inflationary issue when you deal with investors and rental properties. I had an investor I was talking to who just put a contract in on a house. And uh, when I go into a tenant-occupied property, I always talk to the tenant. The first thing I ask is, are you having any problems with the property? They're going to tell you the truth because they don't care. They got a lease. It doesn't impact them. But I always talk to them. I'll say, how long have you been here? Do you like living here? Do you like the neighborhood? Do you like your neighbors? And I've had some of them say, man, I'm not going anywhere. I've been here for 10 years and I'm not leaving. And that's what you want. So when my investor questioned me about it, he started asking me, how long do you think they'll stay? And I said, why are you worried about that? Right. They've been there for 10 years. They're not going anywhere. No. You know? There is a negative side in investments, but it's, in my opinion, it's not that big of a deal because we talked about this last episode. Economic turmoil in this country is always followed by one thing, and it, history has proven over and over again it's going to happen, and that's a recovery. And during a recovery, things get out of control and things start rocketing again and prices are going up and consumer confidence is up. And that's when investors can really capitalize on their previous investments. So don't be scared of the economy or interest rates to get into the property now, because if you get into a property now, an investment property, there's a very big chance you're going to see some really good growth in a very short period of time. And then it's going to stagnate, right? It's going to level off for a while, and then we'll elect somebody else that'll have these just genius ideas about you know the world and the economy, and they'll bring it down again. It's a cycle. We've been through this. We've been through this multiple times in this country. So there's no reason to think that we won't go through another recovery here in the next two to three years. Well, as an investor, I've had properties for over 20 years, and through 2008, 2007, what I found was I really this business is kind of recession proof because people have to have a place to live. Right. They have to be able to pay their rent. And besides the COVID period, which I didn't have any problems with personally, but if you take care of your tenants, they're going to keep paying the rent and you're, you're going to be fine. Yep. Well, let's move from the, the, the slight negative. What's the positive impact of the recession on the investment market? I think personally it brought the insanity in the real estate business and leveled it out a little bit. I mean, last year was absolutely insane. Uh, if it was insane here, I can't even imagine what it was like in in Nevada, in California, Texas, Texas. That which goes up must come down. And that's why California is rocky all the time, you know, highs and lows. And that's why Memphis is so steady, slow, steady gain. Right. And so the advantage of an inflation is probably the best it does bring things back into perspective and brings it down to a point where the average young investor can get back in the game. Last year, 
if a young investor called me and said, I'm pre-approved for $300,000 on buy rental properties. Oh, you're getting a loan. Yes. And I already knew right away, 99% of what we send out there is going to go right in the trash Yeah, because it was such a hot market. Buy, sellers were literally looking for cash offers. They go to the top, even if it's less than a mortgage. Those are going to the top because that buyer knows I'm getting good money. It's cash. It's going to close quick. I don't have to worry about anything else. I don't worry about appraisals, nothing. But in today's time, loans are very well accepted by sellers because the market's calmed down. The market's leveled off. And they know that I'd say probably 90% of what I'm right right now, they're getting mortgages, loans. Does that answer your question? Well, the positive side of the answer I was looking for is Glenn mentioned groceries go up gas goes up, I would assume to a certain degree the rent would go up. So if I have a $100,000 rental property mortgage at $450 a month, I'm getting $1,000 rent. I would assume over time, inflation would increase that rent. It will. It will. Inflation is a double-edged sword. Yes, there are ways to capitalize on inflation in the investment market. Because Memphis is such a heavy distribution city and the average renter here does not make a ton of money, they literally live paycheck to paycheck. Now, MHA is different. I'm talking about self-pay renters. The market rent may say it should be 1200 but it's not 1200 if you can't find anybody to pay that. And it's and worth more if you can get somebody to sign the lease. That's right. So that's my point is that it's market rent may be 1200 but what I'm seeing in the market is that now investors are dropping it to 1125 or 1150 to get a tenant because they're just not able to get market rent right now because those tenants don't have any additional disposable income. They're looking to spend less money now. Now, when the recovery happens, yes, rents are going to rocket and people will be confident. They'll get raises and things will be happy and they'll start paying and the rents will start. So Memphis is like this. Memphis is like a rubber band. Market values hit X, and about two to three years later, that rubber band snaps and the rents catch up with the property. It does that every time. And that's what's going to happen as soon as the election's over in 2024. I think consumer confidence will go up, and that will then start this recovery. Good answer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Just thanks for you falling asleep thanks over for the, there. <laughs> thanks for the input. <laughs> All right. So let's recap. Tom, if you disagree with me on this, you know, say it. I'm a firm believer that if you can leverage your money and maximize the cash you have as you know, older investors with lots of cash, Tom's Tom's got access to lots of cash. So he no he wouldn't go mortgage a property if he doesn't have to. But if you're a young guy, you got a hundred thousand dollars set aside and you want to get in the investment game and you call me and say, in ten years I want to have twenty properties. Well, I'm gonna tell you you need to leverage every dollar you get as far as you can. You have to. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're never going to make that goal. And we discussed early on in another episode uh, how important it is to acquire that portfolio in that period of time. Because in that period of time, you're going to see, I mean, over 20 years, you're going to see a significant increase in your cash flow, significant increase in your asset value. And the longer you wait to build that, the smaller that growth is going to be for you at the end of the time when you're thinking this, everything's going to be paid off and I can either liquidate and retire or roll that into another investment. So leveraging the cash you have is a smart move. I agree. I, I dare any investor expert, any real estate expert, especially in California, to call me and dispute that. Uh, I can, I'm living proof of it. My slogan I always tell young investors is not all debt is bad debt. 
No. But you just have to be real careful with your products you're buying because like Glenn alluded to, you have to have reserves for repairs. Now, if you're buying something like we're giving right now, like a product that has a new roof and new HVAC and new things, there's little that can go wrong because those are your major expenses, your mechanicals, your roof, your plumbing. If those are all new, you're going to have low, low problems, but you just don't want to get over leveraged to where you buy a property, you pay a lot for a property, it doesn't have a new roof, it doesn't have new mechanicals, then you have four of those and all of a sudden you've got one month where you have a $10,000 bill and it really puts you in a bind. And it'll take you an entire year and a half to recoup that investment to right. break you even. Right. And that brings us back to finding a good agent. It does. All right. So I can't stress it enough how important that is. We've talked about our process. You know, we'll write a contract for an investor. We'll negotiate the contract. We'll set up an inspection. We'll do the inspection. We'll walk a contractor through it and find out what the cost of the repairs are. And if it exceeds the 1% mark, what do we do, Glenn? Move on. Move on or renegotiate. That's true. During the, the contract negotiations, you can use property condition to try to bring the price down you just have to be careful doing it and you have to kind of look at it and ask yourself did they price the property knowing that it needed the repairs right because if it's a $140,000 property and they want to sell it to you for a hundred that's one thing but if they want to get closer to market value and it needs a lot of work it's not going to work. And uh, most, a lot of the real estate agents we know, we know are la- too lazy to actually understand what that number should be. So they just look at, <laughs> they look at Zillow and go, oh, 120, great, let's list it. It needs 30 grand worth of work, but let's list it for 120. Getting a good agent is important. You, you have to have an agent that understands the market, understands the 1% rule should be a die-by rule right now in this economy. Last year it wasn't, but in this economy, 1% all in is the rule. Meaning, hundred thousand dollar house rents for a thousand dollars a month. If any's ten grand worth of work, you don't pay a dime over ninety thousand for it. Period. And if you follow that basis, it doesn't mean you're not going to have some bad luck. But if you follow that simple basic rule, you'll be a lot more successful long term than you would be by trying to go out and shove a round hole in a square, you know, or <laughs> a round hole in a square, square. peg. <laughs> square peg in a round hole. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. Thank you. Damn it, that really threw me off. <laughs> All right, so uh, Tom, thanks for sitting in with us again. My and, pleasure. Uh, remember, if you need to talk to us, give me a call, 901-692-7401, or text me. Or Glenn at 901-301-8368. For more common sense real estate tips, listen and subscribe at 5oClockSomewherePodcast.com. The 5 O'Clock Somewhere Real Estate Investor Podcast is a Sound Ideas Group production.